You are now listening to an all-new episode of Bubble Bath Stories with your hosts, Nikki Trends and Manny Oso. Hey, Rubber Ducky Gang, this is your girl, Nikki Trends. I just wanted to let you guys know the episode that you're about to listen to may be triggering for some people. We do speak about sexual violence, consent, and how to become a survivor. If this is something that is triggering to you, recommend not listening to it. Although we don't speak on anything graphic, we wouldn't want to put anyone's mental health at risk. But if you decide to listen to it, we hope you enjoy it and learn something great. Awesome. Okay. Hi, hey, guys. what's going on, everybody? I'm Nikki Trends. And I'm Manny Oso. And you guys are listening to Bubble Bath Stories. And we have a very special guest with us this week. Special guest, please introduce yourself. Hi there. My name is Shale Norris. And Shale, please tell us a little bit about what you do for a living. I am the founding executive director of Safe Bay. Um, it is a U.S.-based national nonprofit that works to prevent sexual violence among teenagers. Awesome. And it was so great because I actually read about the company. I was scrolling on Facebook like I always do. Um, and I believe it was Insider had this really intriguing headline. I couldn't remember what it was, but it was of Ella, um, yeah. who is one of the co-founders of the organization. And she was holding up a pair of panties with this super <laughs> cute cartoony thing. Um, yep. Can you tell us a little bit about that venture for you guys? Absolutely. So it was really, um, you know, it was an internal conversation as all things start at Safe Bay. Um, all of our programs and ideas and um, and work starts with, you know, the ideas of our team, which are really predominantly young people. And so one of the things we talked about years ago was the idea of doing, it actually started as the idea of doing um, days of the week underpants, but yeah. <laughs> ones. and um, I swear, I know. And so that actually really dates me, but they, but they knew the reference for it. It's so uncommon that you see those. Um, but they're funny. And we thought, you know, one of the hardest parts about talking about issues of, of sexual violence is bringing any sort of like lightness to the issue and right. um, and making it a more common everyday conversation. And so it was an internal conversation, but it percolated for a while among us. And then Ella really took what was just like a little seed of a conversation and just went off, the, you know, and did it. She did all this incredible artwork um, uh, using like her art iPad. And um, so um, really just sort of, I think, I think it was really, you know, cathartic for her too. You know, we yeah. lost one of our co-founders this year. We really struggled to just um, as a as very small group, um, uh, the core of us to, you know, stay grounded in the work, stay, um, I think uh, peaceful in the work because it is so such a struggle right. to um, do this type of work. And so, you know, Ella was like, well, let's throw it out there. I th and we all were, loved them immediately. And she said, let's throw it out there. We, um, we have so little funding too, that it was an opportunity to, yeah. you know, host a fundraiser for ourselves. Like if nobody's going to give us grants, then we're going to sell some panties. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> 
<laughs> but also the idea is that you know every box um, a collection comes with information about how to get involved in prevention work so that it's twofold we're not just putting out there you know sort of fun set of panties and leaving it right. at that we're we're really saying let it be the start of a conversation well you know what's funny uh, that's what our podcast is all about starting conversations right. and when she showed me everything because she was introducing this whole topic to me um, when she showed me the company with the panties and everything all I kept thinking about is that's exactly what would happen it would stop somebody in their tracks and be like oh hey wait did we talk about this <laughs> I know and we have so many other ideas for stuff I was like what if we did like a matching tank top kind of like um sleeper set tank top and panties but the tank top you like wear um in general and it just says um oh wait what was it it was like um something with an arrow down oh my god i can't believe i'm forgetting it now. it was like um it was ask me about my panties or something like that i think that or like yeah i think it was like ask me about my panties and then have like a got consent um on the panties yeah. um, i love that yeah just conversation start and like bringing some humor to it to say like we can still have this conversation and make consent sexy um, what I think is so, so we obviously took a look at the website and all this stuff. And something I found really interesting was a lot of the programs you guys have, it's really peer to peer based. So yeah. it's a lot of kids all over America who are really taking a stand, it, whether um, they have been victims or survivors themselves, just taking a stance and making sure that their classmates and pe their peers know what it really means to have consent. And to always really think about your actions before doing it. Um, what is it like for you to see that? I, I was reading an interview where you said, in you know, your generation calls it a bad date. What is that compared to like now to see kids from everywhere taking a stand and immediately noticing red flags? It's amazing. It's everything I I hoped it would be. You know, I mean, I. I started this work when my kids were going into middle school wow. and, and I was like looking around going, okay, this is like next level mom stuff that I haven't <laughs> dealt with. And, you know, when I started anti-violence work, when I was um, a little bit older than Ella was when we started Safe Bay and, um, you know, I was really given a gift by a, a group of incredible, incredible people who taught me how to be an activist and taught me how to be like a radical anarchic um, activist who who does not believe in anything shy of um, the responsibility of the next generation of activists. So, you know, one day I woke up when I was 40 and I had kids going <laughs> to middle school and I was like, I have to do what was done for me. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Um, and that's create opportunities for kids to have a voice, to lead and to um, really inspire change. And I think... Um, I have a really bizarre um, capacity to sort of see the future in that way. Like, I don't know how I knew, but I knew that this youth activist like craze that we're in right now was coming. And so I found the most brilliant, amazing kids and I partnered with them and they were 17 and 18 years old at the time. And I said, I know you don't know me, but <laughs> you wanna do a project together and and so, you know, they were all the subjects of the Netflix film, Audrey and Daisy. I knew that film was going to be a tremendous opportunity just to, to break open the conversation in high schools and middle schools where it had been and continues to be, but had been extremely taboo. 
And, um, you know, but that was before, that was before climate change kids, that was before, you know, um, gun control kids. And, and I think, you know, just really saw this group of kids as an incredibly inspiring group of kids to me and wanted to say, okay, if I'm going to be this person, if I'm going to be this middle-aged white right. baby yeah. in this space, I'm going to create opportunities for kids to be radical and to be leaders. And I will, I won't use my um, influence and, um, you know, and career uh, gifts to do anything less than that. So it, to me, what it's like is, you know, I say this to my daughter all the time, who's really involved in our work. I may not live to see the true legacy of my work, but it's coming. And my grandkids will will have an entirely different life than my generation did. But I also take the weight of it so seriously. I'm leading a group of kids. Yeah. And the gravity of that and the gravity of what's lost if we don't. Yeah. I lost a kid this year. So and it's a big deal to me. I get up every day and I say, we're doing this work because well, I'm not losing another. Of course. That's like how big. So like when we go out and make some panties, that's like, that's thank God. That's the fun part of it because that's the gravity of every day. So we're so lucky to have, you know, um, you know, kids in the space to make it fun and, and to make it, um, I think accessible, right? Yeah. If like right. adults making a bunch of content, then it's so boring. I think, I think a great thing that you guys are doing too is that you're making the conversation normal too. Not yeah. not taboo because it has to be a normal thing. Um, I I read in there on the website that you guys put down that um, the presence of a bystander is forty forty four percent less likely for something to be complete completed. Yeah. So what I was wondering is what do you guys teach people as far as um, effective and safe ways for bystanders to intervene? Well, I think one of the things that we learned um, in that first year of touring to schools is that uh, even with some of the, you know, messaging and stuff that was out there and, and uh, resources that were out there, kids were still by and large seeing bystander as being aggressive, right? Mm -hmm. Either verbally aggressive or physically aggressive. And we were like, that makes it so unapproachable, right? It's very hard to picture yourself like walking up to somebody and being like, hey, pal, and yeah. you know, intervening like that. Like people aren't doing it's that. It's not realistic, right? Yeah. I mean, some people can, but but that's also can be dangerous. Yeah. So we just said, we're going to create, and this is again, where you can have a little humor. Um, we're going to create all kinds of conversations around distractions. That's all just, you know, um, Ella actually made, um, spearheaded an entire project several years ago, which is a bystander intervention video that we did called game on. And one of the ways in which like a girl intervenes, um, in a situation is by going up to her girlfriend and saying, Hey, I have that tampon you asked yes. earlier Can we go to the bathroom <laughs> together. Yeah. Well, nobody's interrupting that. Right. right. So, yeah. you know, we're, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, tabloid, like, you know, periods, but we got to find humor wherever we can. Right. And at the end of the day, um, that's a great way to distract a situation that most people aren't going to, you know, ask. No They're going to be like, okay, bye. You know, yeah, so no gonna question. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. And, you know, I always say like, you know, if it's, let's go take a selfie. If it's, you know, 
I'm hungry, let's go get chocolate, whatever it is. You know, all the examples we used in that video were just distractions, just little distractions, because that way you're diffusing a situation without being aggressive. It's the most approachable and easy way to be a bystander. And, you know, that's all it takes sometimes to just kind of cut that, cut that scenario that might be going the right direction and might not be. Um, so you mentioned that you have a daughter. Did you ever find yourself just like, you know, just because I, I mean, I've gotten talks like don't go out after a certain time, you know, always be in pairs, things like that. Do you ever find yourself subconsciously saying these things to your daughter and then going, oh, wait, like, yeah. no, that's not the conversation I should be having with you. Um, how well, do you kind of approach the conversation without yeah. it being like cringy for you and your daughter? And oh my God, no. My yeah. kids are full immersion. They don't. Okay. Um, yeah, I have, <laughs> I have three children and they, uh, yeah, I mean, and my son is um, 14 and he's like, mom, why do you have to be like this? But, <laughs> um, but fun fact, he, um, he hasn't watched the Netflix film um, Sex Education yet, but he is the boy in that film. As it turns out, his friends go to him and ask him questions about consent and sex and like what the deal is. Um, because we live in a really small town and everybody knows what I do. And my daughter is even more, if you can believe it, even more outspoken than I am. Um, <laughs> sued her school last year. It's fine. Um, four violations of Title IX. So I think... Um, they, it's very, it is, our conversations are very normalized. I don't really find myself like kind of doing that type of stuff with my kids. But one of the things I say is we have to live in the world we're currently in while building the world we want. Mm. So if living in the world that we're currently in means, yeah, let's buddy up when we're going out, mm -hmm. then that's okay too. But we spend so much time in Safe Bay. As a matter of fact, we just posted something last week that um, we got laughing so hard about because it was a, the whole um, flip the narrative on don't wear a short skirt, you know, carry a rape whistle, blah, blah, blah. So we did this whole um, five series flip on Instagram that was like um, a great thing that's gone around historically, but um, like um, travel in packs. If you feel like you're going to rape someone, travel with your buddy. So he can help you not rape someone. If you feel like you might rape someone, carry a rape whistle so that you blow the whistle to let people know you're going to rape them. That and all so, makes sense. Yes. <laughs> we were laughing about that. We could just feel like, oh, blowing the whistle. He actually, it's so funny to say that because he actually mentioned something like we were talking about yeah, um, we were, Game On. Yeah. And he was talking about this. He said the same thing. Well, no, um, I think we're actually watching the Netflix documentary the, um, with, with Daisy, uh, yeah. and Daisy. And there was a scene where they uh, were showing news clips. And one of the uh, talking heads on there, he was saying, oh, well, what do you think is going to happen after 11 o'clock? And I look at Nikki and I tell her, wait a second. So you're saying every guy turns into a rapist after 11? Werewolf. I know. saying that you yourself also do that. I encourage you to go back and pause. So I know when you're talking about like. Um, in the film, they do this kind of flyover over the houses, and there's like little mm -hmm. pop-ups of um, yeah. texts that were actually legitimate texts that Daisy got. And oh, we're, and also, we were pausing those. Yeah. Pause and read Daisy's response. <laughs> oh, we <laughs> did. Savage. <laughs> Savage. That girl. 
Yeah. Did I not mean, take I, that. I just hate that response when people say that too, because it, you yeah. know, you're basically saying, yeah, it doesn't make, it's not a nonsense response. <laughs> oh, of course. Like, oh, I'm sorry. If rape, if, if rape is caused by short skirts, then why do people in burkas get raped? Like, please don't, please yeah. do not. So we, again, like to flip the narrative and be like, oh, well, if you think you might rape someone, carry a whistle so you can notify everyone around you. <laughs> I mean, that's, but that's how stupid the other side of it sounds. No, you're right. But, you know, I say that, but there are things out there like, you know, the, the fingernail polish that you stick in the drink to see if you're, you know, if there's drugs in your drink. Listen, utilize that. If you want to utilize that, use the apps to get you home safely. Use that. But at the end of the day, that's me saying, okay, we're in the world we're in right now. And that's the reality. But it, but we are absolutely a hundred percent not taking that status quo. Right. Yeah. That may be where we are right now, but we, we will be fighting to absolutely create a different world. And so it's, I think it's having, you know, looking at the whole coin, not just one side of the coin. And so I think generally speaking, um, you know, God, I think the first time my daughter was like dress coded was in sixth grade, like the first month of sixth grade. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a long road. I better let the school know who I am now. And, um, you know, and I, I think it's those types of things where I was like, first of all, she's wearing my tank top. And second of all, if her shoulders are a problem for you, you better look up some information because I'm going to be your worst nightmare. And so, you know, they grew up like that. They grew up in full immersion of that. And, you know, that's, but that's, it's awesome because they have someone fighting on their side. There's a lot of kids who don't feel that because the mindset that they're being raised in is still watch what you wear, who you hang out with. Don't go out after dark. Yeah. Um, Don't get me wrong. They, you know, yeah. (laughs) Two dads that are both like, you're wearing that. But I will usually just say something like, well, all clothing is appropriate, but it's all appropriate for different places, too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm not going to wear a snowsuit to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to wear a bikini to school. Like, right. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that. And But that's that's like the extent of what I think is appropriate for sort of having those conversations with your kids. Not, right. You know. Um, when famous or influential people come out and share their stories, do you think that it makes it easier for, you know, regular schmegular people to say, wow, someone like this went through this. I need to share my story. I do. I think anyone who is brave enough to, to come out and talk about their story is taking a huge risk. People don't want to believe. And so I do think anyone famous or not famous who is comfortable to whatever degree to to share their experience just helps to create a safe space for other people you know one of the biggest things is not feeling alone right um one thing that we've seen throughout you know the me too movement times up we we also catch some of these people some people who lie um about being assaulted what do you think that does to the movement of women and men who are coming forward who are being brave and sharing their story knowing what the backlash is to have someone lie about something as big as that right well i think first of all statistically 
the people who are coming forward with false allegations are like 3%. Right. So I think what, what we experience from, particularly if it's like a high profile situation, what we experience from the backlash of that is that it's vastly blown out of proportion. And for any one lie, you're going to see a thousand media stories on it. Yeah. Because um, that's a narrative that just gets picked up. Um, so what it does is create like a really false um, uh, understanding of how frequent false reporting is. Mm-hmm. Obviously, anytime anyone lies about literally anything, it undermines the, the people who have actually experienced something. Yeah. But with that said, the baseline needs to be believing people. The baseline needs to be believing people and having conversations and learning about what happened. Because I think, you know, and I spent a tremendous amount of time um, sort of looking at this, looking at the studies. There's been incredible research done about how two people in the exact same situation can have completely different takeaways. There's actually been like truly um, um, research studies done on this so that um, to help us understand better how one person can walk away from a sexual assault, not knowing they sexually assaulted someone. Yeah. And again, that's compounded by the messaging that's out there, right? Every video game, every movie, right. every anything tells, um, you know, tells people no means try harder. Tell means it tells people playing hard to get still a cute thing. And, yeah. and those are things that exacerbate a situation where one person could really have felt perpetrated and another feel like that was a great Saturday night. And so, so the baseline does need to be believing people because coming forward to make an accusation like that is horrific, horrifically traumatizing. It is so rare that people come forward um, and falsely accuse. And even when there's like, Oh, that was a false accusation. Oftentimes there that was wrong. Somebody just um, recanted because they couldn't go through with it anymore. Mm-hmm. It a, like incredible. Um, one of the best, um, uh, uh, well, I guess it was actually a series, um, a television ser- series um, w- by Netflix was um, unbelievable. It yes. is yes. a true story. Right. And what an important, first of all, it was done so well, but what an important conversation to have about how we can get into a situation like that. It's so easy for right. you know somebody to come forward and then get scared in the process of reporting. Because and, the people who are supposed to be defending you, like the police and your family and stuff like that. They treat you like a criminal. Right. And I don't know if you how much you know about a rape kit, but that's no Tuesday walk in the park. So right. Yeah. So that's yeah. An, that in and of itself is a really scary ordeal. And then we also know that like 1% of the population of actual rapists ever see jail time. Most people are not prosecuted. So the, you know, a lot of people don't come forward. So people will be like, oh, well, they weren't convicted of rape. They're not a rapist. I'm like, do you know how many rapists actually get convicted? (laughs) Virtually none. So that can't be the bar for people's understanding either too. So a lot of our work is just like re-educating people saying, actually, we have a really flawed system. And just because you don't see somebody in handcuffs doesn't mean they didn't do something wrong. And, And that's a horrible way to go about something, right? I don't, I'm not here to say like vigilante justice is the way to go, but I'm a big advocate of, you know, different forms of justice. Um, All kinds of, you know, conversations about ways that um, 
like restorative justice and things like that, that are a much more healing process. Mm. Most people don't want to see their perpetrators see jail time because they know them and they probably grew up with them. Yeah. Most oh perpetrators God. don't look like perpetrators and are people you know. And so most survivors don't want to see them spend jail time, but they want them to be sorry and not do it again. Do you think that's possible for a perpetrator, um, especially in cases where it's young people who are doing the crimes, do you think there is an opportunity for them to Absolutely. rehabilitate? Absolutely. Listen, do I think that there are like witting rapists out there? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. There's people who are intentionally raping people, but there are twice as many people who are unintentionally raping people or sexually assaulting people or coercing people, but not necessarily. Again, think about every man, again, I am old, but um, because of the power of streaming devices, streaming services, you all can see every movie I grew up with. And yeah. think about every John Hughes movie, every Say Anything, every, like every movie was coercion. Every movie was some unconscious girl or get some girl unconscious. And- That's um, why they won't remake Re Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> yeah, that was just basically yeah. living in a house together. Um, but um, to look back on that type of messaging and it's current, right? Like I feel like poor Seth Rogen is like really trying to make up for every film he ever made in his early career. Yeah. Because, you know, like get girls drunk so we can get laid. Right. And that was the message in everything and uh, that he ever made. And then he just did that. Was it good boys or bad boys that they were asking like a blow up doll for consent? Yes. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, my boy. Yeah. Yeah, some it was it was younger. It was like middle school boys. It was really cute. Let, let me ask you real quick because um, you know, I I've, I've asked Nicole this question before because you're not you're not the only person we've had this type of topic conversation with before, just in general. And I just wonder. Obviously, we want to change the world to where nobody's making fun of anybody that it's it's gonna hurt anyone. But if you sit back and watch those movies, people are gonna laugh still. Like what? Like what do we? What what can we do about that? Because obviously, I don't want to hurt anybody, but I don't see myself not laughing when I see police academy and those jokes come up. You know? Well, that's why I think it's just being an educated viewer, right? Like, uh, listen, I'm not suggesting every like twerking, you know, video. <laughs> it's it's there, like. But I think it's just being being an educated consumer, right? Like if you can look at the movie Say Anything and be like, oh, actually he was kind of a stalker, but <laughs> still enjoy John Cusack for the lovely right. portrayal that he did in other ways, you know? <laughs> and just look at it through a lens of, oh yeah, that was deeply stalkery. And okay, that worked out for them, but if I randomly had some dude who just like wouldn't go away no matter how many times I asked him, yes. that might not be cool for me. Right. So I think it's just a matter of like looking through the, that, you know, just having an educated lens and, um, and, you know, taking more time to be educated about these things. I think, you know, one of the biggest things that I say all the time is we are failing every single young person, girls, boys, everyone on the gender spectrum if we don't teach them about consent and bystander intervention and normalize these types of conversations, because if we don't, then they're learning it from media, predominantly mm -hmm. porn, yeah. and yeah. we're failing everybody. So, so people are learning still the messages of, um, you know, just pound away and, you know, and that, um, 
you know, if at best all we teach is like the sort of clinical or I guess um, legal version of consent, well, we're not achieving anything there either because we're not integrating it into right. our lives. I say all the time in our, our inner, inner circles, um, when we can get to a point where our work can be as um, open and um, I think deeply forthcoming as it needs to be, we will be talking about you can't have consent unless you talk about pleasure. Mm. That's the foundation of consent. Whether you're talking about intimacy or not, right? Like truly, like, is everyone having a good time? Yeah. So if we're having a tickle fight and not everybody's having a good time anymore, yeah. then that's not consent. If you are, you know, at a movie and it turns deeply gory and you want out of there, are you having a good time? You can you can have agreed to go to that movie and then be like deeply not enjoying it in the middle of it and say, I want to go and back out of it. So consent exists in all of the places of our lives. It doesn't have to be intimate. But when we start talking about intimacy and consent, it's about pleasure. Is the other person in the room with you or people? Are they enjoying themselves? Yeah. Wow. You right? don't, yeah. I don't think when you hear consent, you don't. So it's awkward when you're having the conversation yeah. of consent. And so it's always like, oh, it can be unspoken. It was fine. Like he gave me a look or I, you know, yeah. she gave me a look. How do you, what I guess is your professional advice of how to make sure that you are getting consent without it, I guess, ruining the mood. As right. But that's why I think it's about pleasure, right? Um, is it ruining the mood to make sure that your partner's having a good time? Like, you like my that? Dog. Right? My dog. <laughs> Come, here. Yeah. Come here. Come here. He's going to make an appearance here. Um, so I think that it doesn't have to ruin the mood to check in and make sure that the person that you're having a good time, well, you think you're having a good time with, can very positively confirm that they're having a good time, right? Like, yeah. I think everything... Um, you know, everything is done in... in, um, in phases you know you don't just leap all the way in and if you do right good and bad. so <laughs> so if you're like checking in if you're like taking things slow and you're um you know and your partner is not matching you in the sort of dynamic that you're in yeah. right so if maybe they're not saying anything but they're kind of like a little rigid like you know mm. that is that is when you go hey we're not on the same plane here right stop how's you know where, where are you with things like what are you into and and again that's that's really sexy to be like what do you like if you stop and say to somebody what do you like it's every I, woman's I, dream do you we should like something more for the next generation of adults though because i mean i don't know just based on the way she asked that it kind of feels like is like I don't know are us us generation adults like we're only some of us are gonna get into that the next have to normalize the consent is that the only like the only reason that would make it weird is because it's not normal to ask right right so that's why I think we do have a responsibility within a lot of like believe it or not a lot of our learning comes from media yeah. so we get to start depicting really sexy consent getting in media. 
Yeah, every film. So, and I do a lot of these conversations, have a lot of these conversations. Um, Normal People, I think is on Hulu or Amazon. Um, very sexy consent getting in that. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there that actually, I think, but, but again, I think once we see it in, in everyday life and once we start to see right. those, um, you know, that, that sort of Hollywood depiction of, um, sexy consent, we'll get it in our heads a little bit more, right? Like you're not going to do a PSA on like yeah. how sexy get consent. And I'm certainly not going to be walking into high schools with that. Well, <laughs> I would be. I just might not be invited. You just have to break through to do it. I think it's like it's just a matter of us seeing more of it, and you know, and right. it just becoming. And I don't know that we have to wait a whole generation, but you know, I guess most people much older than me don't really know how to use a remote control anyway, so it's fine. But, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the women do. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Safebay.org. Please tell us, I know you guys have a virtual summit coming up, so tell us a little bit more about that. We just did it. Yes, oh. actually, that's okay. Well, we uh, we did one last year. We did one this year. I'm sure we'll be doing them in the future. I'm not planning an in-person summit until the coast right. is long clear. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so, um, that's one of many things we do, um, is, um, you know, get together for like a three day stretch, invite some incredible friends to do presentations on all kinds of different topics. But, you know, we always have opportunities for, um, people to get involved and start a school chapter or, you know, we have an adult teacher coalition, um, to really build adult allyship among, you know, teachers and schools. We have a parent, uh, Facebook group for, to talk about, you know, among parents about um, overcoming the obstacles of um, after your child experiences assault. Um, And so lots of different resources. Um, Our flagship program right now is our peer-to-peer training program. So there's so many different ways to get involved. Everything we do is free. It's all out there. We just want to change the world. Awesome. And where can our listeners and followers find you guys on social media? Yeah. um, So safe underscore bay. Awesome. And guys, don't worry, we'll have all of their like links to their website, social media, and all that on our page. Um, and that's pretty much yeah. it for us. Thank you so Thank much you. for joining us. I'm so happy we were able to speak with you and really have a conversation like this because we both think it's very important. Um, and you guys, be sure to check out Audrey and Daisy, the documentary that's on Netflix if you haven't already. Yeah. Um, you can find out what us two crazy kids are up to on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Bubble Bath Stories. And you can find me at Nikki Trends on Instagram. Thank you. Find me at Got No Time for This. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you so much again. Thanks, guys. Uh, okay, so we are done. Thank you so much. I That was great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm really excited about this. I think we, we are going to do is air this next yeah. Wednesday. Um I think that's the 31st. Yeah. Uh, and then we will send, uh, I don't know, we can forward you through email, like whatever social media clips we have, or we can just tag SafeBay in it, whatever you guys prefer. Never um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, definitely send us, because we can do like a swipe up on ours and um, to send people directly to it too. So just oh, perfect. anything, awesome. anything you can send us to do that. 
I'm so sorry um, Ella didn't get a chance to be it's here, fine. but okay. I'm sure we'll speak to you guys again. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah, that'd be yeah, great. Want to do another round just to talk about the panties? That's fine too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's it for us. If you have any questions or if anything comes up, just feel free to email us. And once we get everything cutesy and packaged, we'll send it your way for you guys to post as well. Thanks so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Enjoy the rest of your day and good luck on the rest of your interviews. Thank you. Okay, bye. bye. bye.